up the main character's butts. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to an Anime Club After Dark special. I'm your host Alex and joining me tonight I just have our chivalry of Shota Shotaro. I hate all men. <laughs> okay and tonight as I said we're doing a special episode because this is the very first episode of an episode by episode review both myself and show will be doing for the 20 uh, spring 2019 anime called Seta Zen Mai. So without any further ado I'm, we're just gonna get right into it. So if you watched or listened to our spring 2019 season preview that we did a few months ago, uh, you'll know that both myself and show poo-pooed the very idea of the show outright. Um, I think we're sort of eating our words now. Well, the synopsis was so out there, and usually animes with really weird synopses tend to have very low production and tend to be really poorly put together and just a hot mess. And (laughs) I mean, like, who would green light this with this amount of production and talent that we see it has now with a synopsis like that? Like, who goes into a production meeting and be like, we're gonna get three high school boys, we're gonna probe their anuses, we're gonna get some Kappa bodysuits, and this is going to be the best animation of the season. And that, like, who would do that? It doesn't uh, make any sense. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Like, and that was the whole thing. When we originally did our season preview, we basically just judged this on the synopsis because I believe at the time we recorded the season preview, there wasn't a PV that had been released yet. No, so I don't think so. That's all, all we had. We had well, we had the one piece of like. Um, key art that had been released and then which had like the character designs and stuff on it and then we had the synopsis and the synopsis really was out there and crazy and i highly encourage you to go read it on mal because that's the synopsis we read from um i think it has since changed though i think they've added a couple of paragraphs to it um to make it not so mysterious but anyway so Sarah Zenmai, first off, this is a an anime, an anime original being done by Studio Mappa, who is responsible for uh, shows like uh, Zombieland Saga and Yuri on Ice, and the currently airing, at least as, as of the time of this recording, uh, Dororo, which is another Mappa show you should definitely check out, and we probably will be doing a spoiler cast on it at some point on the podcast. Um, but it is being directed by Kunihiko Ikuhara. Um, probably most famous for anime like uh, Mawaro Pinguindrum. I always fuck up that because I always wanted to call it Pinguindium for some reason. Pinguindrum. Just, just, you really just need to put a space between the penguin and the drum and then maybe yeah. you can pronounce it. <laughs> maybe. And uh, Yorikuma Arashi among other things. Um, and it is also being sort of co-directed by uh Nobuyuki Takeuchi, who is probably most famous for being the animation director uh, of Bakemonogatari. And that is kind of important, because once you start watching this episode, and I think you'll agree with me, show, this this anime has a lot of Monogatari-esque aesthetics, especially from Bakemonogatari. Yep. I love how the very first shot of the show is a pedestrian crosswalk signal changing the light from stop to walk 
at the at that at the very in the first 15 seconds i saw that crosswalk signal and i was like am i watching monogatari or am i watching sarah zanmai i'm not sure which, which is which is which is is, is a great link because there's a lot of crosswalk symbology in Bakemonogatari, especially its first few episodes. What is um, the deeper meaning of this? I'm assuming well, in Bakemonogatari the symbology is that it's the main character of Koyomi uh moving from one part of his life to another. Maybe it's a middle finger to Isekai stories and maybe the trope of Trukun not following the crosswalk signal and knocking people down. Monogatari oh, be like, great. you trash Isekai, this is how you do a proper anime. I think that's what it means. I think that would be great if if Mon- the Monogatari series had not been written prior to the Isekai explosion. Well, the Isekai <laughs> novels were out, I'm sure. Oh yeah, there were a few, but not like there are today. But I, it's it's a great theory. Um, <laughs> um, something else that is very monogatari esque for this is um, the faceless background characters and pedestrians in the show are all like these faceless, uh, white, uh, featureless stick figure kind of characters. It's like the symbol um, of a person you use on a street sign. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and they have almost no animation. It's like almost like you have like a cardboard cutout that's just being pushed across the screen, like a pop up picture book. Yeah, like, like a pop up picture book almost. Yeah. Um, so in, in the Monogatari series, what they did was they did have some just faceless, featureless um, background characters in some scenes, but for the most part, what Monogatari did was it had giant cityscapes with no people in it, which kind of made it eerie and. And in the same way, you can kind of see that with these featureless pedestrians. It's kind of eerie, and they're in this big city, and the main characters are all pretty detailed, and you have all these other faceless people that are literally faceless people walking around. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, broadly (laughs) speaking, I wrote down that these directors did Monogatari, Penguin Drum, and Yurikuma Arashi because all three of those um, franchises are like really surreal and they don't really Mm. um, try to tell a straightforward story. They do a lot of creative flourishes to their storytelling. And you can see that a lot in Sarah Zanmai. Like maybe the pedestrian is not the the pedestrian, um, the, what Sarah Zanmai done, eh, what Sarah Zanmai (laughs) does with pedestrians is not exactly the same as Monogatari, but you get the same feel of it being yeah. very strange and surreal and not straightforward. So not yeah, not only mm-hmm. do you get the same uh visual aesthetics, you also get the same kind of storytelling aesthetics. Oh yeah. Actually a lot because like in um Bake Monogatari, the show started with like 100 flashbacks, right? Mhm. And then in in uh Sarah Zanmai started with like flash there he was like looking into something he was looking into a floating symbol for a the letter a uh in ah. japanese whatever yeah, the symbol you're ah, right the you're right of... you're right it's pronounced ah you weeb the, yeah, it, was, it was the it was a it was a hiragana <laughs> Anyways, for ah. he was looking yeah. at the ah symbol and having like some flashes i don't know flash forwards whatever flashes of things so, flashes of memories almost basically actually yeah i think it was flashes of memories 
But I feel like one of those was not from the past. Whatever. You have, let's say he was Maybe he's flashes. clairvoyant. Sure. Well, it was a dream, so it could have been. <laughs> he did wake up from the the um, initial scene. But um, yeah, there's like a direct relation to how Monogatari started and how Sarah Zanmai started. Um, yes. Um, yeah. both, both also start with a monologue from the main character. True. Because the main character of Sarah Zenmai, whose name is, um, Kazuki. escapes me. Kazuki, thank you. <laughs> uh, name escaped me momentarily. Um, he starts out with a monologue about his three rules for life. Um, oh the first God. is that he has to carry his box around wherever he goes. Honey. This, okay. This, okay, that was like the first oh. actual line of the story, like after the OP. But, mm-hmm. like,. When he said, the first rule of my life is I have to carry a box around wherever I go, I had to pause because that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's the most random sentence you could ever say. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, how can you carry a box around? I'm just like, what the I mean, the first thing I thought when I, when I when I read that, number one, I had to do like a double take as well. But number two, I thought, so is this box like a security blanket for you? <laughs> Are you no like Linus sense. from Peanuts? Oh my god. Um, so in his second is he has to check idol Azuma Sada's lucky selfie fortunes. Oh wait, I just wanted day. to like so the thi- like uh, director Ikuhara who worked on Penguin Drum and Yurikuma Arashi. The thing is that Penguin Drum and Yurikuma Arashi do a lot of this thing where they have these random elements that really don't make any sense, like carrying mm. around the box is a rule of your life, except they don't really explain it. And it's really, and they keep piling on random elements to the point that you don't really understand what's going on at all. So yeah. when and I saw it, this, I was like, oh, great, I'm not going to understand anything. And it's also to the, to the point where you almost feel like it's foreshadowing something to come. The box? Like, this... Well, no, like, th- these things that are piled... Well, the box, yes, but also the the lucky the lucky selfie fortunes. And then the third was that uh, he has to share his lucky selfies with a certain person every day. It okay, almost so, feels like this is leading to something down the road. Really? Okay. I couldn't process all that information and make a... Because that was too much information for me. My brain was overloaded. I couldn't think that it was foreshadowing. But uh, clearly, we know now it was. But I didn't think that at first... Um, the second point where, uh, he has to follow the fortunes, I'm like, okay, that's normal. Like, people do that. The third thing, where he has to share his selfies with a a certain person every day, um, I was like, girl, are you in, like, an exploitative relationship where you, as a high schooler, has to send selfies of yourself every day to some random stranger? Middle schooler. Oh, sorry. Whatever, it's all the same. There's no middle school in, in like, I didn't go to middle school. Middle school wasn't part of high school. Whatever. Anyways. I, that's the first thing I thought when I saw that you he's sending selfies. I'm like, girl, girl, check yourself. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my original thought when I when I heard that too was like, okay, so do you have a, I'm assuming this is for a significant other. Oh, really? I thought that like. That was, was my assumption. I don't know. Honey, you give a teen a cell phone, you know what they're going to do with that. Dick pics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's that's how we're introduced to who I'm assuming is going to end up being the main character of this story, Kazuki. Um, the second person that you're introduced to is a character named Toei, who is... Honey, he's a boy, and he's a toy. <laughs> that is how his name is spelled. So the way that you're introduced to him is you're introduced to him breaking into a car while being while being watched by the same person, Azuma Sara, taking a selfie of herself while he's breaking into the car. That was hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's a, that's a, a that's a dramatic jump cut from one thing to another cuz it almost seems like when you're t- following Kazuki while he's going through this monologue, it's like he's just sharing his everyday routine. And then you're automatically jumping to this person trying to break into a car for no established reason, by the way. And I also want to mention that he tried to break into the car with a ruler. That is so random. (laughs) Okay, so um, I have some insight into that. Okay. Um, There is a tool that you can actually use. You can buy it at just about any kind of auto parts store or like... uh, any kind of store here in the U.S., it's literally used to break into cars, but it's perfectly legal to sell it. Um, it's it's for people to buy when they accidentally lock themselves out of their car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks surprisingly like a ruler with a hook on the bottom of it. No, I know that that exists, and I know that it looks like a ruler, but it's still so random to use a ruler. Like, that's so quirky. Yeah. I have I have seen at least one person in my life actually use a metal ruler to break into a car, though. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. It's, wow. very, it's, it's very difficult, and it requires a lot of nuanced hand motions, but it can be done. Among other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a dramatic jump cut, wouldn't you agree? Um... Well, honey, nothing about what just happened makes any sense. So this doesn't... The dramatic jump cut, uh, I mean, it doesn't break the flow because there was no flow to begin with. Um, But that's just another um, aspect that's really similar to Monogatari because Toei... I don't know how to pronounce his name. How do you pronounce his name? I I say it. I say Toei. Kuji. um, (laughs) (laughs) Kuji use a... Uh, ruler for not its intended purpose, just like in Monogatari, uh, Crab Girl used the stapler in the first episode, not for its purpose. So that's just another little True. connection between the two I thought was True. interesting. Um, I also find that so hilarious that the, I- first of all, the idol on TV is in the streets, which makes no sense. Second of all, she takes a selfie of someone breaking into a car. Like, both of those things make no sense because, like, that would never happen in real life. So, yeah, just, like, there's so many things that have been introduced in these, like, first two minutes that would never happen in real life that, like, there's just... <laughs> my brain is just fried. <laughs> it's, it's definitely testing your um, suspension of disbelief, for sure. It's testing um. my patience, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so... Getting into getting into this a little further, one thing that the the first episode of Sarah's and my and hopefully the rest of them do is kind of dig into the whole myth of the Kappa because that ends up being the kind of crux of the story. I didn't um, okay. So, I didn't know about the Kappa myth at all before I started this, and then immediately after the first episode, I scroll down on Crunchyroll and someone wrote in the comments hey you know a lot of this is related to the kappa myth and then i'm like 
oh you know yeah some of this actually makes sense now yeah i mean especially once they meet kepi who is i i'm assuming is supposed to be king of the kappas um but even even the title Sarah Zenmai. So I went and did a little bit of research on this. So Sarah Zenmai, uh, Sarah is the word for plate or dish in uh, in J- Japanese. Um, I learned that from Food Wars, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, that is relevant to um, the Kappa myth because yes, the crown on top of a Kappa's head is called a plate or dish. Yeah, it's called a sata. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's also uh, takes the suffix zanmai, which refers to indulgence, which we learn af- after they meet Kepi. We learn about the whole thing with the sh- how do you say it? Uh, Shiko, Shiko, Shiriko Dama, Shiriko Dama. So like the Shiriko Dama, which for all intents and purposes seems to be very, um, very much related to the Christian concept of a soul. Are you um, kidding ex- me? Right. I mean, it seems that way. Um, I maybe it's not. Maybe I'll maybe further Wait, on I'll find like, out do you that mean, it's not. Like in the actual Kappa myth, or in the show, or both. In the Kappa myth, in the Kappa myth, really? Because like the because I okay, I can see in the show, but I didn't know. I thought in the myth they just take it out. It doesn't have any effect on you. Uh, I'd have to dig into the Kappa myth more if it actually has effect on people once <laughs> it's removed. I don't know. I just assume uh, that I don't know for sure. But in in the show, also, it seems to be sort of analogous to a soul, um, at least the Christian concept of a soul. I think, um, except well, in the in Christian theology, the soul is supposed to be close to the heart, not inside your oh ass. Oh my god, my soul is inside my ass, honey. <laughs> I know where you keep your soul. Um, you could definitely make that um, comparison. Though I think what the show is going more towards is that the Shiri Kodama represents your desire. Yeah. Not your life force, I guess. Whatever. Although it is similar. I will give you that. <clears throat> Which, I mean, if you think about the word indulgence, I mean, people indulge in their desires all the time. Um, True. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should go. We need to talk about the transformation sequence, but <laughs> but there's something else we need to talk about first. Um, oh, by the way, the actual sh- I found this out too by doing a little bit of research. The shrine in the show where they break the two main characters break the Kappa statue is an actual statue in Tokyo in a section of Tokyo called Kitchen Town. And actually, um, Asakusa has a allegedly enshrined um mummified limb of a kappa um in the shrine there yeah allegedly that's well that would uh, that would um that's one of the reasons why they use asakusa as the setting for this show because it has a lot of relation to the kappa myth yes um so I, I'm kind of surprised how deep into that myth the show goes. It also seems to take some of the myth rather literally. <laughs> I don't think we mentioned this, but the stealing of the Shiri Kodama is actually part of the myth. Yes, so yes, like it is, that's it is. not something the um, the uh, story made up. That is actually part of the myth, which because when we read the synopsis, that was a big part. That was the most random thing. Yeah. And 
learning that that was an actual thing that is a like an established mythology i was like what the actual <laughs> okay this is this is like becoming less crazy knowing that ashiri kodama is an actual um part of mythology but yeah i mean the concept itself is pretty crazy yeah it is so i have a question for you yes. you mentioned that this kind of imagery might be homophobic so i'm curious as to what you mean by that well uh or i should yeah. say you mentioned before we started yeah i was about it. to say like people to listening won't know it. what you're talking about yeah i mentioned it before <laughs> um so yeah i think it's i'm unsure i'm questioning whether the kappa myth is homophobic or not i don't know because i really am not familiar with this at all but just from what information i have it seems to be um punishing um the concept like it's the purpose of the kappa myth from what i can see is to scare children and it seems you're scaring children by threatening them with anal like punishment which seems homophobic plus it seems to be like uh making fun of anal sex which seems homophobic, but I really don't know what, where the origin of the Kappa myth and the Shiri Kodama, like, where did that come from? I don't know what the, gotcha. like, I don't know where that originated from and what the intentions behind the creation of the myth is. So I can't really be sure. Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that certainly yeah. interesting. I might, I might have to ask you the question again once we get further down the road and ask if you still think it's homophobic and maybe after doing a little bit of more research into the Kappa myth itself. I definitely thought it was homophobic before I knew it was part of the myth because I'm like, if it's, if you as an animator are just randomly choosing to do this and I'm like, what the F? Like, this is so messed up. But then when I realized it was part of the myth, I'm like, oh, well, I don't, if that's more complicated... <laughs> Um, so can we talk about the whole Kappa transformation thing for just a moment? Oh my god. Sure. <laughs> the, uh, oh my god, the whole process of extraction where Kepi, the Kappa King, goes up the main character's butts and almost, like, devours them and then transforms them into their own little Kappa creatures, Kappa versions of themselves... Honey, that um, scene is probably the most shocking and most noteworthy scene of this entire episode. That whole sequence, though, like from start to finish, is pretty crazy. <laughs> like the whole fighting the Kappa zombie and I. Okay, uh, uh, <laughs> I like. I don't know if this is on television in Japan, but if it is, yes, it, it is? is. Okay. How the fuck is this on television in Japan when it is so graphic in its nudity? Like, um, it's airing on Fuji TV in a very late night slot. If I, uh, okay, but I, I believe so. But most anime air in a late night slot. Uh, I, I don't know if Fuji TV is one of those like behind the watershed kind of. Oh my god. Okay, but like. Anime has been censored for, like, the tiniest speck of blood dripping from someone's <laughs> yeah. pinky toe. And then you have this, where you see close-up of a kappa's anus expand while it, 
rectally ejects another kappa from its anus. <laughs> and we yeah. just see that completely uncensored. I'm just like, what? What? First uh-huh. of all, <laughs> but yeah, that's the first thing is like, I was extremely surprised because this level of graphic nudity is com- on a completely different range than what I would see in other anime. So I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not nudity <clears throat> of the level of you're seeing like penises full shaft, but it's not that far off either. It's basically like, how graphic can you be without showing a dick? That's basically yeah, how pretty much. It it's like that's what that's. I feel like that was a sentence that was spoken in the production meeting. <laughs> and it's almost it's almost like they're trying to, to they're trying to get as close to showing actual like anal sex as possible without showing actual anal sex. Honey, there's definitely been rim jobs. I don't know if you consider that <laughs> anal sex. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, wait. Well, okay, in the in the Kappa zombie scene, when they turn into Kappas, they literally become anal beads and they go into the zombie's ass. They do. I was, yeah, I, that was a big what the fuck moment, too. <laughs> I will say that... Um, also the music, the musical, the musical dance oh sequence of what the fuck. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I found that kind of, like, quirky and funny. <laughs> They're just, like, singing, like, off-tone and just, like... Like intentionally <laughs> off tone and out of sync. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was. It's like someone someone had this idea, but they didn't talk about it before, so everyone else just kind of going along with it and making it up as they go along. Yeah, yeah. This the entire all of the nudity in the show was very disturbing, um, surprising. <laughs> I think that's and the point, though. Um, I mean, I get the sense that's supposed to be the point. But why are you trying to disturb me? <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. But uh, speaking of uh, the whole Kappa zombie sequence, at the end of it, when they get together and they all scream Sarah Zenmai, which I, is apparently the only way that they can turn back into their like human forms, um, part of that involves what's known as a leaking sequence, where I guess essentially they're like a high, the the three main characters are like a hive mind. Um, and they can kind of sense their innermost thoughts and desires. And this usually ends up resulting in a character. Uh, it seems like it'll end up resulting in a character having a secret, a secret of theirs revealed to the others. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because that speaks a lot to what, what I think is going to be the overall like theme of this. And it's about, about making connections with people and how far or how much of yourself you want to reveal by making connections with people. Because like say, say, say you get a friend, right. And that friend becomes mm-hmm. a good friend. Eventually they, they know more and more about you and you might tell them stuff that you wouldn't tell random strangers on the street. Same with getting a significant other. If you, you know, you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or what have you, Eventually, you have to open yourself up, and they know they'll eventually know some of your secrets that the outside world doesn't know. I guess that's such a like tired theme in anime, though. Like connecting hurts. Oh, May- um, maybe, but this is a very interesting way to sh- portray it. <laughs> this is a very interesting as a as a understatement. 
<laughs> but the whole point of me bringing that up is one of the things that we learn, one of the secrets that we learn is that the uh, the idol, quote unquote idol from the beginning, Azuma Sarah, is actually the main character, Kazuki, cross-dressing. I love how the animation for um, the cross-dress or whatever, the idol in um the initial scene was animated to look like the actual idol but then in the leaking scene it's animated to look like the main character cross-dressing i thought that was really yeah that was really good because it really tricked me and um i was impressed i was actually kind of surprised in a good way for once in this episode (laughs) (laughs) because i'm like oh that's a pretty big secret like to be just cross-dressing on the streets like just like just randomly cross-dressing and like running around i'm like okay that's a pretty decent secret i was pretty impressed that it wasn't something stupid and then um and then it like you also find out that's what's in the box he carries around exactly it all makes sense now all the random things make sense like the jump cut makes sense to the cross-dressing because technically it wasn't a jump cut because it actually did follow the what the mc was doing um, yes. Even though it didn't, we didn't know that, and then we know what the what's in the box. I feel like we know something. what's in the box. Oh my god! We still don't know what's in the basement, but we know it's in the box. <laughs> um. <laughs> what else is there? Anything else that we figured out from the cross dressing? I don't think so. But like a lot of things made more sense, and it. I, yeah. Okay, so. You know what? I'm not gonna say, it. but yeah, uh, I was, ha- I was, it was a decent surprise because, um, it it made the previous uh previous things that were really made no sense. It made it all made sense very quickly, and that quick realization was really it was a really great feeling to have that like have my brain actually work and like connect things. My brain is like, oh please don't make me move, <laughs> but then the show was like, you're gonna connect the dots. And I'm like, oh, wow! I've used my brain. Oh, thank you, Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was. It was. A, it was. A, it was uh, good. I liked it. <clears throat> All right. So I want to wrap this up by talking about the OP and the ED. I think you and I both agree they are both fantastic. Oh my god, honey. Um, but I want. I want to talk about the OP first. Okay. Um, I, I agree with you. I think there's quite a bit of foreshadowing going on in this OP. Um, but one of the things that you believe this foreshadows, and I can kind of see it, is it's foreshadowing one of the main characters into being into, as in, like, romantically into Kazuki. Okay, so there's, like, a, okay, so, okay. <laughs> so. Calm down. We're going, we're going too far. <laughs> we're doing too many things. Okay, the song with the OP, I think, is catchy. Um, the actual visuals for the OP are like meh. It's just like whatever. Um, but like you said, what I particularly thought was that there was a specific sequence in the OP where it shows all of the characters um looking up to a floating head of another character. And to me, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, so this is who that person likes. So I see Kazuki looking up to some what I thought was a girl. And then um, I'm like, okay, MC likes a girl. And then the second one was Enta, the glasses boy, looking up to Kazuki. I'm like, okay, the gay best friend who likes the MC. And then you have Toy looking up to um, his or some 
older man and i'm like okay he's like a sugar baby and then <laughs> sugar baby and then and then you have the uh dark-skinned police officer looking up to the light-skinned police officer and i'm like you know like when i saw that i was like okay this is definitely about um like the sequence is definitely telling me what they like because you know those two police officers are into each other so i'm like okay <laughs> so then everyone else is also into the other person okay okay that's the that's literally the first thing I thought when I saw that. I mean, I, I can certainly see that. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, there there's there's a lot of I, I don't know if it's intentional, but there is a, there's a significant amount of homosexual imagery in the op, especially with rainbows. I know. Oh my god, I'm like so LGBT friendly. Except for the Especially like at, the, at the end, there's like a fucking big ass rainbow that just goes over everything and I know. everyone. So, I, so amazing. It's it's very interesting. Like we think of Japan as like this very, I, I won't say completely LGBT friendly, but it's not the most friendly place for people who happen to be LGBT. No, it isn't. See, I don't um, know. Certain places are like some of the big cities are, but like a lot of the rural areas are not. <laughs> I guess I don't think anywhere is really that friendly, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I don't know if this, like I said before, I don't know if this is a gay-friendly or not show. I really can't tell. But um, this is a gay imagery in the opening yeah. that is there. Maybe it's maybe it's something that'll be built on, like you say. Maybe it's a lot of foreshadowing. Maybe there's a leprechaun at the end of the rainbow. Can we, though, talk about the phenomenal, and I mean absolutely phenomenal animation that the ED has? Well, it's the, I mean, the animation. There's really no animation. But <laughs> but you know what I mean. The art the art style and the... It's very different. Yeah. Just like the show, the ED is very unconventional, and I love it. Um it's like real life photography of um I, actual places i don't know exactly where um i would assume it's asakusa but it could be anywhere in tokyo at night in the rain uh, uh, with no one there and i'm like mm. oh my god i love that aesthetic of just like uh urban places that are abandoned it's just i just that's just the me thing I don't know what that actually means or the symbol, but I just love that aesthetics. I'm like, oh, give me that. And then, the- well, and and the fact that the the main characters get superimposed, like in they're not like real people dressed up by them. They're, they're actual anime character designs that are just superimposed onto real world imagery. Yeah, and then there's like, um, like a light show going on. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It might, now that I think about it, the fact that the animated characters are superimposed on uh, real photography, maybe that means, like, they're out of place or they're isolated. And also, like, the uh, disco lights that go on, it's really off-putting because, like, the disco lights make you, make you think you're having a party, but there's no one, <laughs> there's no one in the photo. No one there. Exactly. So it's like... It's a party, but no one's home. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's that those feelings you get like where you you want to have a party but there's no one there and like 
that kind of has to do with the themes of connecting or whatever. Anyways, yeah. it's a lot of a lot of connection symbolism there. I definitely agree with yeah. that for sure. I um, love it. I love the feeling of loneliness. So oh God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> As you go stand in a corner and cry. Um, so I want to finish this off with, I think our overall impression of this particular episode maybe has raised our opinion of what the series will be going forward. No. No? Uh, my first impression of this episode was that it was disturbing, uncomfortable, too much information, and it had good animation. And really good animation. Really good animation. We didn't talk about it, but like, as disturbing as those sequences were, that they were animated so smoothly, so beautiful, such a, such yeah. such amazing animation for those scenes. I loved yeah. loved the animation, but it's still disturbing. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what comes next because I I just want to see how well it's animated. If if nothing else, I want to see how good the animation is. I have a bad feeling in my soul in your in my shitty soul in my shitty kodama is feeling is getting a bad touch oh my bad touch (laughs) on that note i'm gonna wrap that up here thank you all for dropping in to listen to this special presentation of anime club after dark we hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing it to you you can always check out previous episodes of the podcast on youtube soundcloud itunes and now spotify you can keep up what we're doing by following us on facebook discord uh, Twitch and you can visit our website and very very soon we will have a brand new Twitter page so you can check us out there you can email us any kind of ideas or criticisms or comments or concerns on any episode that we do links to all these things will be down below in the description uh, and also down below uh, be sure to let us know what you thought of the first episode of Sarah's and Mai as always I have been your host Alex and I will see you next time say goodnight show goodbye d Dishu! Dishu!